This is Flipping Tables. Welcome to the first Flipping Tables of the new year. This is a show about technology, gaming, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And here we are in 2015, and we have some good stuff to talk about. Um, so how was your new year? Did you go see fireworks? Did you do anything special? Uh, we did uh, streaming fireworks, Okay, which was kind of nice because uh, Disney World does like a big thing every year. And you know, my wife and I are big Disney fans. And it worked out for two reasons. One, they streamed it on the internet, which was amazing. Like the fact that they did that, it was like camera right down Main Street. So you had like an impossible high up view <laughs> you would never have in the parks. And uh, they also streamed it live at on East Coast time. So it was like 945, you know, eh, happy new year. <laughs> and then my wife went to bed and then I played video games for like three hours. Nice. So it was, it was very nice and calm. Oh, man. Having like. Almost two weeks of break was kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, mine wasn't as I, – I had to work a couple of days, but it was still like arranged nice because it was like work a day, four days off, work yeah. a day, four days off. So it was, it was, it was a nice holiday. It's, it's good for the soul. Yeah. And to celebrate that, I'm going to complain about something. Yay! This is very minor, but um, Google released Inbox last year, late last year. Which I still love. Yeah, um, so and I'm kind of happy with Gmail. It's a really great email client, so I've kind of gone back to Gmail and probably not going to use Inbox. I mean, I'll keep an eye on it. But at least four different times on the same machine, this isn't like, a, like oh, your other browser didn't have something cached. They keep popping up and saying, would you like to go to Inbox? Oh, and I'm saying, no, take me to Gmail. And I maybe I just haven't hunted into the settings to see if I can say stop telling me this. But it's like, Google, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I know about your other product. I tried it. It's great. Keep it up. I you know have two paths going, but I'm using the one I meant to go to. <laughs> Do you switch at all or using Gmail full time? I'm kind of back to Gmail full time. Huh. So maybe, the, uh, maybe they're just being lazy with their remembering. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I don't get much spam anyway because I've been so diligent on either reporting spam or unsubscribing from so many things. Unsubscribe. And my filters work, so it's kind of like the same product. <laughs> yeah, I, I have gotten really used to the swipe on the client, Yeah, which I know the Gmail client has, but... I was deleting stuff previously. Now with Inbox, they're like, hey, you should really just archive everything. And I know <laughs> Gmail pushes that message, but Inbox pushes it like hard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a deleter. Like I, I archive personal communications or like receipts I know I want to yeah. keep. But other than that, I'm pretty merciless. Yeah, like, every time do, I archive something that I'm never going to look at again, I do feel this little twang a little. a little bit where I'm just like, eh. Like Dropbox <laughs> told me it connected a new app to my Dropbox. I don't want to archive that message. I'm never going to need to know that. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's a weird feeling. The only thing that has me feeling okay about it is I know Google search is ironclad. <laughs> If I ever have to export that email to like flat text and then search it locally, it's going to be a nightmare. 
<laughs> as long as I'm using Google search. You're going to pop your Gmail out into some godforsaken I've, I feel like it is something I should be backing up. <laughs> yeah. I don't. This is the one area I'm completely yeah, irresponsible. I'm, I'm back blazing now. Like I've got my hard drive at home and a remote going like I'm doing it right now. Yeah. But not email. email. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I've even exported I haven't done this in a little while, but uh I used to regularly export my Google contacts and my calendar, so I'd copies of that stuff. Yeah. But I'm I'm a I'm I'm Putting a lot of stock in their stability well, and access because they have been really stable. <laughs> but that's that's oh, how man. complacency is built. Yeah. But then there is that time. It, I kind of ask myself, like, how often do I actually go to an email that's more than ten days old? Every once in a blue moon, I do. It's like, yeah. oh, I sent someone an MP3 demo or something. Or actually, no. I don't do that through email much anymore. But there's Good. there's stuff like <laughs> six years ago where it's like, oh, that old demo. It's the only place I have it still. Uh, so, which is also wrong. Yeah, right? so, so having email search really just reveals the things you haven't <laughs> backed up correctly. There's there's that little dentist voice in your head that says, only <laughs> back up the things you want to keep. Uh, oh, oh, is, was that only brush the teeth you want to keep? Only floss the Fl- ones you want to keep. Floss the ones you want to keep? <laughs> there's probably some, like, only use mouthwash on the ones you want to keep. It's like, how would you even do that? So what is Marriott doing? So Marriott, and th- this is one of those like developing the regular people will probably never hear about this because it'll get destroyed. But Marriott <laughs> is, and a couple other big hotel chains, they're just the apple in this story where everybody's doing it, but they're gonna like catch all the flack. <laughs> so a couple of big hotel chains decided they're going to use network interference to prevent hotspots from working in their buildings. Yeah, that's not cool. No, it's not cool. (laughs) So it's like, oh, look at that device you pay for and we have nothing to do with that you brought into our hotel. Yeah, you can't use that here. Oh, sorry, medical device or you're VPNing to something important. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's just not an option. You have to pay for – and that's the thing. It's not like – oh, It's artificial scarcity. It's artificial scarcity, but it's also – like this creepy big brother artificial scarcity because they monitor their network. They inject ads into their network. They I charge for their that. network. Like, yeah. If if they just – this would never happen. But let's just say that Marriott said, you know what? We have so many people in such a small area. We're getting like the conference effect. Wi-Fi is really damaged. So we're going to block your Wi-Fi but in place, we're going to offer free, secure, totally Ethernet. awesome, fast Ethernet and Wi-Fi. Or Bluetooth or USB pairing or yeah. something. Yeah. So it's all like super fast. It's super secure. But we're not going to let you use only your, any of your own devices. In exchange, you get this. Yeah. But it, that's not what they're doing. It's like, hey, how about some ads? Hey, how about you know yeah. half a bit down? Ugh. Yeah, it's... I mean, no one ever uses no hotel one likes Wi-Fi. hotel Wi-Fi. No, even though hotel people are definitely just on their like LTE connection. From and their most phone. of the paid like faster hotel network connections are like, yeah, we know it sucks, right? Maybe you should pay us. Yeah, which seems kind of <laughs> which if, taken alone would be kind of okay, but but if you have a three tier service and you know good and goddamn well that no one buys tier number one. Because yeah. it's so bad. It's like then you really have a two-tier service. Yeah. You have the one that's, that's tolerable to and make the, the medium one seem more palatable. Yeah, more, exactly. So it's, you offer that, you know, 
300 kilobits down is a marketing thing. It's like no one chooses that. <laughs> uh, so, so they're they're going to get destroyed because Google and Microsoft and a few other companies jumped on that super early and I don't I don't think it'll it'll never yeah, really that, see those the light are the, of day. The heavyweights that are going to be like, "Yeah, don't do that." Yeah, no. Yeah. You're making our customers angry with us cuz they don't understand yeah. why it's not working. Yeah, it's I mean, not a good move. Yeah, because I mean, if the you go into a room and you go to turn the light on, you don't get pissed at the electrician. You assume the bulb is out. Yeah, you know, if it's like, oh, this room is still dark. That light is broken. And it's like, no, maybe a guy actually crashed into a pole like blocks <laughs> away from here. But you're not mad at that he wants guy. To sell you his flashlights. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a guy downstairs. The truck. That crashed into the pole, but the back of the truck is open. It's like, oh, I look what happened by mistake. Luckily, <laughs> I have all these flashlights. So one of the big things to get to uh, the next topic, um, CES is happening, the Consumer Electronics Show. Yes. Showcase. I think it's show. Okay, and that's San Francisco? I don't know. Vegas. It's, oh, it's Vegas. That's Vegas. right. It's full-on Vegas. All the charlatans gather around. <laughs> <laughs> um and CES has kind of fallen from grace a little. It used to be a little more important than the 90s and obviously previous decades, 70s and 80s um, for consumer electronics. And it's still happening, but it's you know it hasn't been as disgraced as E3 was like <laughs> a while back. You never go full E3. But it's kind of quietly faded as a lot of companies do their own events now and they just kind of webcast them. And it's kind of like Nintendo doesn't even go to E3 anymore because they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> Um, anyway, we don't have like full coverage of it today for flipping tables, but, nope. and I think it's still happening. So there's probably lots to be seen still, but one little product that caught my eye is kind of a harbinger, <laughs> almost certainly not the way you say that Heartbringer. word. Heartbringer. 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 <laughs> um, of the internet of things and networked, uh, appliances, even though it's in no way that special, it's, it's, <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you do marketing for this company? Yeah, I do. This this, this company is called NetAtmo. I'm assuming that's how they say that. Um, yeah, it, there's no way it's Netamo. And I think um, their their company name aside, this product is called Welcome, which I think is a little maybe, generic. Maybe it's like a Wii gamble. Like it's just such a strange name for like, where's your welcome? There's the welcome. Yeah, it's give me a welcome. You're if you're hoping to game Google into you being the top <laughs> search result for the word welcome, that's you're yeah. that's optimistic. So here's what welcome is. Welcome is a wide angle camera you set in your house that's you know, it's Wi Fi connected to your network and it does facial recognition so it knows who's home, like who it's seen recently. It's like, oh, you left the kids at home on you know, you're not watching them and they're They're in your house, and the camera sees them every once in a while, and it can report to you while you're at work and be like, yeah, I saw Sally five minutes ago. Yeah, I saw her an hour ago. Or It's a little, like, nanny state. (laughs) A little creepy. Just leave your damn kids. If you're willing to leave them alone, then... (laughs) Yeah, it can also notify you when it sees faces it doesn't recognize. Jimmy brought... And I was waiting for the, like, little marketing video, which we can link to. Oh, it's on their product page. Um... To show like the, the real reason people want these features, it's not. It's never like, oh, everyone stayed home and was happy. Yeah, it's like teenager Billy brought his pot smoking friend over. Uh, ah. Yeah, and I mean the 
The ad I was waiting is, for like the obvious drug drug addict to come over. <laughs> yeah, the the boyfriend. The, you know, you have the perfect yeah. girl with the ponytail, and then the boyfriend in the leather jacket. <laughs> And you want the little because there's like in the the video in the promo video there's a little like line like this is Jenny and that's Timmy like you want the line to point to him and be like unknown dirtbag <laughs> yeah. like threat to family security. Oh, that'll happen where you can edit the labels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if you once the face is recognized, you can probably set the name to whatever you want <laughs> like, and just set the unknown string. It would almost be worth it to have this if you had kids with friends you didn't like. Just yeah. so you could get an alert on your phone that's like, that one asshole is, yeah. is in my house. And you're like, Ugh. So this is, uh, to me, I, I was we were talking before the show, this is kind of like, to me, like really, really early MP3 players when it's like, you can fit 10 songs. And you're like, Whoa. like clearly, you have the right idea. We're going to store music as files, not as this is what it is on a disc. Right. This is the music. But you're too early and it's just not quite the right time. You're, you know, you're MySpace in it when Facebook's going to come later or, <laughs> you know. Um, I do hope that some of the things they're doing stick. And one of the big ones is local storage. Yeah. Because I've looked into security solutions for my house and there's basically like super expensive commercial hard drive systems where it's like I don't run a business so I'm not going to invest $10,000 yeah <laughs> into this like tower that goes into a closet and then there are like cloud streaming services and I as much as I trust certain companies like Google bought um Dropcam but I as, even as much as I love Google, I really don't want a direct 24-hour feed yeah. into my house that's available over the internet. Yeah. I just don't want that. Not there yet. Google to be like, your toast is ready. <laughs> Can't let you do that, dude. Yeah. Get a text message. Hey, you left the towel on the floor. It's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Which, I mean, like maybe one day I'll be cool with it. Like if security gets to a point where I feel like it's unbreakable. But yeah. Well, people were <laughs> we, flipping we their there. shit when they bought Nest because they're like, I don't want Google to know my temperature. Yeah. And it's maybe it was an overreaction there, but it's the same sentiment of like, yeah, uh, I'm just worried about this. Yeah, I mean, because once you give it up, once you give up that security and you get used to the convenience, you'll probably never take the security back. Yeah. So it's like I'm, I want to be mindful of parsing I think that it, out. It's kind of sad, but I think it's pretty clear that the mass of people don't really value their privacy. Maybe well, that's changing or evolving. And like, well, I feel like the news and, and journalists are always trying to drum up this like privacy scare with cloud services. And even though, like, the, the celebrity photos thing was, like, a big deal. That was a big deal. People are still kind of like, meh, I like my little five-inch glass screen that shows me anything I want, and I don't care. I just want to press a button and get what I want. Yeah. You don't think there's any just, like, total lack of understanding contributing oh, to I that, though? I think that's a huge part of it, but that's they would take the time to understand if they cared <laughs> about it. Um, so anyway, back to this NetAtmo welcome thing. One of the other curious features is they also sell these welcome tags where you can put the, these little white rectangles and stick them on your doors, and they will report back to the main welcome camera when doors get opened. So it'll be like the back door was opened. Right. So, you know, like 
no context or extra information, just enough to freak you out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, this is the new version of like the call was coming from inside your house. I get, like, that's, that's probably the heads up to look at the, sh- the camera yeah. stream. It's like, hey, you know the camera you have pointed at the back door? The door just opened. Well, like, and, oh. and they, their whole little stupid marketing video with ukulele mandolin, <laughs> um, and it is xylophoned up. Um, is it's like a happy family that's at home and you're just checking in on your kids. But to me, the back door open thing is for when you go on vacation. Right. And you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, the door's open. But, yeah, it doesn't tell you anything else. It's just like, oh, man. <laughs> well, and especially, like, I, I assume, like, most people have a neighbor, you know, like, check in on the house while, if they're yeah. going to be gone for more than a couple of days. So... You know, like if I ask you, Mike, to check on my house while I'm out of town and then I get a text message that says the back door open, the first thing I'm going to do is be like, hey, Mike, are you at the house right now? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to be like freaking out waiting for you to like finish watering my plants and then be like, yeah, you asked me to come over and watch your house. <laughs> it's like, OK, because Nanamo Welcome just told me that the back door <laughs> I was just I was just freaking out. I just had to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I. I want stuff like this, but I, there's a balance of like yeah. security and information you need and paranoia. Well, I mean, this is CES. There's going to be lots of products from companies that will no longer exist a year later. But <laughs> a year <I'm, laughs> that was generous. I'm, I guess I'm just generally excited that like finally, or because I wrote an article on my on my blog um, <laughs> last year about wearables, and I was kind of like, the promise of these devices is kind of contingent on everything else being in place like it has to be part of a mesh of everything being smart and talking to each other so that i can walk through and doors and windows respond to my presence and my theme song gets played when i enter the room and that's that's it locks my computer like it locks my computer when i step away more than eight feet or something and i I really just want the theme music yeah (laughs) and that's the thing is like when I'm when I see these smartwatches and I'm like, God, they're not good enough. It's not really the watch's fault. It's it's you need the whole picture to exist. Right. And so that's why like NetAtmos Welcome is like meh. But it's part of that picture emerging of like we're getting there. Well, the this APIs is where you, you are, need exactly those open APIs. Because the one device that does everything exactly the way you want, not likely to happen. Yeah. You know, so it's like I need this device that does 90 percent of what I need and then this other cheap device that does the remaining 10 percent. I mean, this already happened in a small way with the appification of our platforms. It's like, yeah, we didn't build in every little widget you needed by apps. Right. And now it's more like, yeah, we didn't build in every feature into this rectangle (laughs) that you wanted buy other rectangles <laughs> can you imagine think back like it wasn't that long ago that they had a desktop computer big air quotes that was just a word processor like you yeah. could install no other software it had no operating system when you turned it on it had a screen that was you know like yeah. word corel perfect plus minus pro <laughs> and then you typed words and then you could save that file to a disk but you could not run any other software. Like that was a single purpose. Mm-hmm. It was a digital typewriter. Well, what I am reflecting on as you say that is like, thank you, people like Alan Turing, for like seeing like even though you probably couldn't have envisioned like 
the GUI and all this like stuff we have now, mm-hmm. you, you you saw the fact that like, what if we had a machine that could do more than just the one thing you taught it how to do? That's general purpose <laughs> computing. Yeah. Yeah, and, otherwise all you ever have is a unitasking thing, yeah. which at some point you have to say like this, you know, we can't keep filling warehouses with these giant tape reels just to like predict this one thing. Yeah. We, we need that warehouse to maybe predict two or three things. <laughs> Speaking of wearables, I because I, I remember reading your, your blog post at <laughs> pseudomichael.com <laughs> and uh, – I tried – I keep swinging and missing. Like I, I'm i unintentionally doing product research that I don't want to do because I just want the product I want to exist. <laughs> but I bought a Fitbit and thank God Amazon has a friendly return policy because it's going back today. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not trying to knock you Fitbit. But they, in their cleverness, they were right to do this. They don't maintain a persistent Bluetooth connection. So my thinking was, oh, I'll get a Fitbit and then it'll do all the Fitbitty stuff, which I have other, you know, reason to want, and then I will also use that as a persistently connected Bluetooth device. And then when I'm near my phone, my phone will be unlocked. Bada bing bang boom, I have a trusted device that I actually trust because it's like clipped to my person yeah. all the time. Um Nope. <laughs> so because it's it's so aggressive on the battery life that it doesn't exactly. want to stay connected yes it does like periodic check-ins which means it's t- not only would it be unusable the first time you're like oh my phone isn't unlocked oh no you can't even set it up oh. as a trusted device because right. the smart lock feature looks at it and they're like i don't see a bluetooth device <laughs> and then if you happen to catch it it like blinks in and out because i mean it's not transmitting yeah. that much data it only connects for Five seconds. It's it's sipping. Yeah, it's it's a short connection, very periodic. I think it only connects every like five or ten minutes. Yeah. So I and I it's unfortunate because I actually kind of like the Fitbit. I was like, oh, it's kind of neat. It's only the the entry level one is like fifty bucks. Yeah. But it's I don't really want a pedometer. I really wanted a trusted Bluetooth device. Man, there's a if I were to force you on the spot to make a prediction, <laughs> do you agree with me that Fitbit is gonna either die or get acquired? In the next couple of years, two years, I, let's I say, say two years. I would say, if anything, they're more likely to be acquired than die just because they have a lot of brand loyalty. So it'll be a valuable yeah. brand. I, I could imagine a company like Google or Apple Microsoft being maybe. like, oh, we want who? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, why I think it, Microsoft <laughs> would do it because they're yeah. like, oh, we need to like buy our way into this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could believe that because, I mean, I've used their app a little bit now and the app works pretty well and the device, even this is the crappiest device they make and it's still solid and, like, has a nice feel and the software is good. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be odd for them to just suddenly tank. But on the other hand, if they make zero improvements over the next two years. Well, I mean, yeah, it'd be like a BlackBerry situation where, you know, in 2006, early 2007, you're kind of like, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. They're they are solid and anyway, you saw yeah, there. <laughs> and then just all of a sudden like, like boom, iPhone. You can try to say like, well, the market got a lot bigger and it's not so no, 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 Blackberry tanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I, I like them. I don't have anything against it, but at the same time, they don't do anything to me that's so valuable that I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'll just use this other thing that's yeah. Also, you know, my Android Wear watch or my Apple Smart iWatch phone, 
that yeah. does all the same stuff. Like I don't, I'm not loyal to them in any way that makes them unique. Yeah, wearables have still been on my mind because a friend of the show, Matt Jordan, emailed me recently and said. I'm looking at the Zen watch. Should I get a Zen watch? I need, oh, I like I need your permission. I need adult permission to get this thing I want. <laughs> I need an adult. I like the way that one looks. I like the way that one looks a lot. Yeah. Like as the square ones go or the actually rectangle, but they, it's a lot better looking than some of the other yeah, ones. Yeah, I hadn't heard much about that. I haven't heard about it at all, but then I, I went and looked at it and it's like, yeah, it looks pretty slick. See, I think this the, is why the Zen watch actually hasn't gotten a lot of attention because – Somehow it flew under the radar. It's been out for like 10 months. Yeah. And, I mean, you're a pretty connected guy, and you're just like, wait, the what? I'm like, I know about the Moto 360, yeah. or as the snarky describe it, the Moto 270. Uh. <laughs> um, no, I mean, watches in particular, as far as a wearable category, are an uphill battle for me because I don't wear a watch. Right. And so it's like, it's not just, can I get you to wear a smartwatch? It's, can I get you to wear anything? Right. And I, I just have, and I'm going to admit it's not entirely rational. Like there's, there's weird little like <laughs> internal debates, like, am I tan line committed to wearing a watch? <laughs> As if I've ever cared about tan lines yeah. on my body well, before, yes, ever. You, you do have a deep, dark, crispy <laughs> thing going. Or, or just little things like, oh, I don't want to sweat under my watch. Yeah. And like, yeah, that is not totally rational. <laughs> or you wash your hands and there's just a little bit of water <laughs> that gets stuck there. And then you like got to move the watch and dry that part. And you are going to be really late. To, like a smartwatch is going to have to have a lot of interesting things to overcome no, these neuroses. They'll, they'll win me over, but just a watch never stuck with me right. for these reasons. Well, even your pebble, which did a little bit more. Kind of like, eh. Yeah. See, and now I've learned now in all of my my looking for this device that doesn't exist that there are classes of Bluetooth. So there's class three, which is the it's the same thing. It's just lower power, which means it has a shorter range. So it's like I wish I cared enough about this to like do a Kickstarter and be like, okay, I'm gonna make a bracelet that looks like a Livestrong bracelet has nothing in it except this Bluetooth radio. All you can do is name it and pair it to 10 devices. That's it. That's all it does. Battery lasts for fucking ever because it doesn't do anything, you know, and then it's just your wearable unlocky device thing. And I think class three is only good up to like 15 feet. Like it's really close, close yeah. enough to feel secure. Yeah. But that micro location, man. Yeah. That device does not exist because they all I've looked around and all I can find is like, oh, it vibrates when you get a text message or it does this, that and the other thing. And. And the point of those devices is to give you notifications when your phone yeah. is far. And it's like, no. Is there going to be a, a point there? I mean, this, maybe this is a stupid question to start that way. Will there eventually be this? Um, Everything eventually, yes. Um, where, like, I want a passive thing, like something that doesn't have to be battery powered that can serve this purpose. And I'm thinking, will you be able to 3D print something so you could replace it or change it? You Man, know, like, you're just going to stitch together like a bunch of... Yeah, <laughs> but like you would generate something with its own unique token that would be mm. like shared between your devices that was a physically 3D printed thing that could be interpreted electronically. I mean, it feels like you're describing NFC. Requires but, no power. Okay, yeah. Simple antenna that you... I mean, you could make your own. I don't know if you could print it. But has a range of more than an inch. That's the thing, <laughs> is you would need NFC-like antennas that worked up to like a foot or two. 
or just made out of a material that your device can sense and read. Yeah. Through fabric, like yeah, it's five feet, whatever, it's, something. It's tough. I don't know what the right solution is. <laughs> I thought it was Bluetooth, and I mean, technically, Bluetooth can solve this problem, but yeah. no one is making this product. But like more and more, it's become clear that like the smartphone is the brain of your personal mesh. Right. Like it's it's going to be the thing with the biggest battery that you're willing to take with you everywhere. Sure. Yeah, you're probably not going to carry a 10-inch tablet everywhere you and go. And so even though the watches and the, the eye pendants and the <laughs> everything, are they're going to get smarter and more powerful. And it seems like, you know, we haven't seen enough of the Apple Watch to say much more other than that's an interesting UI. I wonder how that works. Dots. <laughs> dots everywhere. Um, but they seem to be aiming at, like, this is a platform. This is not just glanceable notifications. Right. And... So, but they, they, I don't know, can they have their cake and eat it too on that? Or do these devices have to be like headless or they're just the screen for another brain? It seems like that's going to make more sense in the long run, but. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, or will miniaturization be good I, enough? Yeah, that- I, I assume <laughs> we'll get there. Just like there was a time when your Palm Trail had to be synced. Like Outlook, and then the Palm there was software. A time when your iPhone had to be synced for that's, almost three of its years. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what? like nothing lived on the device. Really, yeah. it was like a copy of it. Yeah. So I mean, I assume we'll probably get to the point where it's the goofy future watch, where like you point it at a hard surface and it projects onto it because <laughs> it's got a Pico projector and the battery lasts for a month. You step and- in your office and your your smartphone is. Your desktop is just showing what your smartphone right. is doing. Which poor Ubuntu has been trying. They've been promising that for so long. Like, oh, you'll yeah. just dock your phone. But this is how it works. And this is the argument I made in my blog post. Um, <laughs> that traffic, that, that, that one reader that's going to join the blog, um, was that, you know, it's easy to be like, well, the iPhone knocked it out of the park. And forget how flawed the first iPhone was. Like, no 3G, no copy and paste, no app store, no... Like, there's a laundry list of things that you think of a modern smartphone. But what it did do that previous touchscreen devices didn't really do was it just showed you, like, this isn't just a faster horse. This is a computer in your pocket. Right. And that's what I want out of wearables. But I think my problem is... This time, it's not the one device that has to prove it. It has to be the ecosystem. Yeah, the entire category. It's like, show me the the pocket computer, but this time it's the the pocket personal network of stuff that's intelligently talking to each other. Maybe that's part of it. Is you know, once we got used to computers, and then they started talking about smartphones, we were like, oh, now we have all these expectations for smartphones. And in the intervening years, our expectations for what is a computer and what is a phone have gone crazy. <laughs> so now when another device is like, oh, I want to play in that space, you're like, well, if you don't cure cancer and solve world hunger, then I don't yeah. want to talk to you. It also seems like smartphones hit on a nerve of something damn near universal. Like almost anyone can find a reason to use a little four or five inch piece of glass that connects them to everything and shows them whatever they want. Yeah. It's really hard to turn that down. Adding the next screen that does mostly that may be, you know, inherently just be more of a niche. Like maybe it'll be a wildly billion dollar popular niche, but not a 
you know, a trillion dollar smartphone business. Yeah. Well, they talk about the like health thing, you know, like Apple supposedly got all these like health experts and like Google has Google Fit and, Mm -hmm. you know, the there's the Fitbit and the Jawbone Up and like all these other things. And there's this one, I can't remember the brand, but there's this one like really expensive, it's a watch, like an actual just mechanical watch, but it has sensors in it that communicate with your phone over Bluetooth. Yeah. And the sensors are more sensitive than you typically see because it's a health-focused product. And that, to me, has some, like, attraction yeah. because I can imagine, you know, I'm, like, out hiking and it's dry as hell in Colorado. And it would be cool if I just got, like, a little notification and it was like, you really should drink water. Like, stop what you're doing. Take five seconds and, like, drink a little yeah. water, you know? Or – like uh, a thing that like tracks your sleep through some kind of like combination of sensors because yeah. not just if you move around like that. I can see that kind of like health knowledge being good because we live in a really fat, sloppy country. I wonder, <laughs> I mean, what things we will discover about some things that were hard to measure before. Yeah, because you didn't have sensors I mean, on you I 23 think, and a half hours a day. Yeah, there's going to be a whole lot of, I bet. Maybe there'll be a bunch of little things, but they could add up to a lot of health knowledge that was just hard to get good data on before. Oh yeah, I I, I would I can see this being like a terrifying Big Brother. We don't want to do this, but if my data could be anonymized, and they were like, "Oh, we are collecting data from all these people, so now we know like." This amount of activity level at this age with, you know, this amount of, like, water intake and this kind of sleep, like, yeah. and then they could start to, like, make these big, complicated, awesome models. You could awesome finally models. say some things that aren't just anecdotes, like, well, right. Timmy's just a special boy. I don't want to hear what you're saying <laughs> about how people should eat food to grow up. Yeah. Yeah, so that, I, I could see that being useful. That, to me, is is right up there with microlocation stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, this, like I said, this is not a country of Olympic athletes – you know, we we by and large are like fat and sloppy, uh, and we're and getting sad. fatter. Yeah, and it's getting worse. <laughs> so I could see health stuff if it's functional and marketed right, being really beneficial. Yeah. Um, so we're about half hour in, and I'm thinking we should switch gears to <laughs> a little bit the the other eighty percent of the show notes here. <laughs> so do you want to you want to bring us into uh, your your gaming topic? Yeah, I wanted to talk about like. F- fan-made games and and i realize that that is so poor a descriptor of like what i'm actually thinking about (laughs) because there's like this whole like rom hacking community and then there's like source engine stuff on steam where it's like they're kind of fan-made games but they're like professional custom maps like how yeah there's a wide spectrum here and then there's thomas the tank engine and skyrim (laughs) (laughs) which is Awesome. One of the actually kind of most terrifying things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's those dead eyes, just that smile coming over the, the horizon. But this is like I think in in modern times, we now have just like music has gotten this way and writing and publishing has gotten this way, there are tools that are so powerful available so easily to everyone that yeah. I've played better fan-made games than like AAA like huge multi-million dollar budget games. Like I just uh, over our our winter break, I just played the Stanley Parable, which I I kind of had that feeling like, oh, this feels sort of like Source Engine-y, but it's just first person <laughs> it shooter. It definitely looks Source Engine-y. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's not necessarily that. I'm not like an engine expert. And then 
there's like one of the endings. You're in the first chamber from Portal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yep. Okay, this this feels way too perfect to not actually be built in the Source engine. Yeah. And it's just like, but that game was like a joke. Like someone just made it as like kind of an art house like critique of gaming. Yeah. Game. <laughs> but like I and I'll never play it again cuz now I've seen all the endings, but it's like it was awesome. Like yeah. really cool. Somebody made it's it. It's hard to put down when you start it. You're just like Yeah, and I think there's like 10 people involved, you know like three of which were paid narrator voice actors yeah and then the, and it's really good narration yeah i mean that's kind of makes the game other than it's it's branching crazy postmodern weirdness right but, but i narration. caught myself like frequently like oh well i want to explore this other path but but what if that locks off me from doing this other path next time yeah and it, so you know i mean it was a it was a short experience but it was really engrossing and then uh so you, I think you you tried Earthbound, right? But you didn't finish it. I got pretty far, but I didn't finish it. Yeah. So that the name of that game in in Japan was actually Mother Two, right? Because the first one on the Nintendo never America, came. America, you always get the second game. Yeah. <laughs> and then the they don't always bring the first one later. Yeah. I I still don't think the original Mothers come here. But then there was the third one, which also didn't come here. Except then it did because fans actually hacked the and ROM translated and it. translated it. And it was really good. And like I only got to play that game. Why you no give us this game? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have made money. Maybe not enough to justify it, I guess. But like I'm really glad that a bunch of dedicated people sat down for free and hacked this translation yeah. out. Like I didn't have to pay anything. They just did it as a labor of love. And it's nice when the parent company is cool about it and doesn't cease and desist these people out of yep. existence. Oh, yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I think it gets tricky because legal departments are hyper worried about trademarks. And it's like it's kind of like if you're shown to be not enforcing your trademark, you can lose it. It's like if you're yeah. letting other people use your character, then clearly you don't care about this character anymore. Right. Public domain. Um, but another good fan-made thing I can call out is Black Mesa Source, which is a Half-Life – it's a Source engine, a proper Source engine recreation <laughs> of the first Half-Life game. And they go up through like 80% of the game. They didn't do the weird alien Zen world stuff much. Okay. Um, which is kind of okay with me because – um, it kind of jumps the shark when it gets to that point <laughs> in the first game. It's like, I'm not hating on Half-Life. It's a landmark game, super great. but um, Protecting your nerd cred there. Playing it as an updated game is phenomenal. And it's since it's not officially a Valve project, they can't charge money. Right. So is it, which is is it basically awesome. an HD remake? <laughs> yeah, it's like... So, I mean, Valve ported Half-Life to the Source Engine, but they didn't update any assets, anything. It's just like, ah. this is just on a modern engine, so it'll run on new computers, but it looks identical. Right. Other than, like, water looks a little better. <laughs> well, and these these kind of HD remakes, like, I'm seeing this a lot. I don't know why, but I'm seeing this a lot with, like, N64 games. I think it's funny when people complain about how companies all just re-release cash cow printing money remakes – and then what do fans do when given their own time? They remake games. Yes. <laughs> but I would say the yes only... Yes, and? Yes, and. The the big difference there to me is the fans, mainly be because they can't, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they don't charge me $60 yeah. for texture maps. You know? 
like I I link to a, a ton of these videos in the show notes, and some of them are just mind blowing. But like this one uh, group is redoing Mario sixty four, and when I say redoing, I mean like from the ground up. Like they're not just yeah. I watched the video the and, and I was surprised to be like, oh, this video is from January third, twenty fifteen. Like this is really yeah. recent, yeah. active project, <laughs> and it. I mean, it looks amazing. Yeah, I saw some of the like because a lot of the footage looks like it's older because they have like the brawl Mario that's kind of like right. quote realistic like he's got <laughs> actual gene texture yeah. which I think is a Dev to- overalls a totally wrong fit but I did see <laughs> some of the footage in the video you you shared that'll be in the show notes where it was actually bright colorful like cartoony Mario I was like okay right. they get it like don't put dirty realistic Mario <laughs> into this fantasy world <laughs> yeah cuz then you would have to make the whole world like dark and gritty and then it's suddenly it's a different game and you have that weird artwork of like this fat italian man <laughs> i did oh god i hate i always hate those drawings i did notice and i never played Mario 64 um all the way through like i've played probably 75% of it but in, they show a side-by-side comparison of the opening shot of like yeah, the, the Lakitu flying yeah, the Lakitu around. going around. And there's a stained glass window on the front of the castle of Princess Peach. And in the Mario 64 one, I think she's facing left. And then in the remake, she's facing right. <laughs> and there's just this part of me that's like, You're why? You're Western. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's just like, why'd you do that? Like, why did you? Left or right. Why? Like, it's a symmetrical shaped window. Just flip that. Flip it back. <laughs> I can't even appreciate your graphics. It, it looks, yeah, some of it, I'm not hating on the project. I got to like have <laughs> all these disclaimers. I'm excited that people are taking this on because that's not the normal target for a remake. I feel like people do first person shooters or they do like RPGs and to do like a 3D platformer is kind of special. Um, it's probably it? harder Yeah, because they're going to want to increase things like draw distance which means, if you remember, in these old 3D platformers, a lot of the platforms just floated in space, and there was just nothing on yeah, the horizon. it's like fog, and, and then there was a wall. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Mario, the, like, Super Mario Sunshine and Mario 64 were notorious for, like, just invisible barriers. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it looks like you can walk over there, but you can't, because yeah, no. the RAM would explode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but some of, the, some of the graphics right now, and I realize it's work in progress, I'm kind of like... It has that kind of like Xbox, the first Xbox look of yeah. like, we just found out how to make things shiny. So everything <laughs> is shiny because it's the only way to differentiate from the previous gen. They Early 3D games were huge fans of that like chrome 1960s. Everything is everything. wrapped in plastic wrap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything is made out of metal and plastic because <laughs> it's shiny and look at the particle effects. Yeah. I mean, that's part of why Terminator 2 holds up, because doing metal was easy yeah, early. Yeah, and looks ground. really good. Yeah. Well, okay, so then how do you feel about... I found about 150,000 8-bit Mega Man games, a few of which I linked in the show notes, because some of them look really good. And, I mean, I was a huge fan of Mega Man as a kid. I'm pretty sure you're a big fan of Mega Man. Yeah. Did you ever play the Legends games? I played the first one. The second one's good. The Tron Bond one is actually surprisingly fun. Okay. Um, I mean, it's the, the first same one engine. was like, why is there so much talking? Yeah. There's a lot of... Because, I mean, it's Mega Man. You don't expect it, all that to happen. It, early days of voice acting, like the first Resident Evil, where it's just yep. like long loading pause for the CD to spin, and then... <laughs> 
and then a line of dialogue it said and then <laughs> like, oh great that was stilted that was and, worth the wait strange yeah, especially um, when you could hear it like the air conditioning's not running in your house and you could hear your playstation go like i haven't looked at a lot of the mega man mods or, or fan games that's an interesting one because i feel like mega man is kind of perfect in its element <laughs> like Mega Man games do exactly what they were set out to do for at a, at a high level. Required. Like there, there was less, and it's almost like I mean I know the Mega Man X games are great torchbearers, sequelitis, whatever we can link to it. All that again, but <laughs> um, aside from that, Mega Man hasn't really survived well beyond its era of side scrolling well, because I, I, I it's think, really yeah. fit for that environment. That's why I think these fan games are interesting because it's like, hey, you just want more of the same? More of the same it is. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's some level of like how much of it. Maybe it's like fan fiction where like a lot of it sucks. Oh, yeah. But every once in a while there's some good stuff. Yeah. And it's not canon, but it's good stuff. Um, the one that you linked to that I was really – I hadn't heard of, but it was into – did you link to it? Yeah, yeah, the Bel- the Castlevania 2 remake. Oh, the redaction? Yeah, where, <laughs> so we've talked about this game before where, like, I described it kind of like Zelda 2 as, like, important for advancing adventure games <laughs> does not hold up does anymore. Does not hold up. Like, was interestingly challenging the paradigms that existed back then but is not fun to play now. And one of the biggest problems with Simon's Quest is... The townspeople are full of useless, misleading, and terrible or just non-sequitur information. Yeah. And yeah, some of them just, like, outright lie. They're like, you need to go left, and you don't. You need to go yeah. right. Or just this basic things like, what town am I in? Where is <laughs> the next town? Which direction? Is it left or right? And Or just the game is full of obscure things that you would never guess to do, like put this item on and kneel here for 15 seconds. Well, it's from the the golden era of Japanese translated into English by Vietnamese who only speak Vietnamese and Spanish. (laughs) It's just like, how did you think that this translation would come across? One of the other things this this dude did was he uh, sped up the text. Yeah, because the crawl was so slow. It's like uh, even looking back, trying to remember how you felt in that time, it's like, no, even then this was too slow. The first Final Fantasy, which I admit was 1990, which is like a a year or two after Belmont or Simon's Quest, had a text speed choice. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, Square Square got it. (laughs) Square got it. And, you know, it was probably in part because they were playing other games in this genre, the like fantasy genre. And they're like, wow, this text moves really slow. You, for the next week, you're coding yeah. a text speed you know, option Though in I'm the menu. I'm second-guessing myself. Did Final Fantasy 1 have a text speed? I didn't. It, like, it wasn't like text moving. It was like the whole thing would be like, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Final like, Fantasy 1 did a full – the text was already in the window, but yeah, the window slid window open. unfolded with that. And it made that horrible noise. Oh, you are so it right. It might still have had a speed setting, but it was definitely not the yeah. text scrolling. Yeah, side you're, to side. You're, you are super There's right. There's like a deep part of my psyche <laughs> is connected to that. <laughs> that noise. That yeah. noise. So, okay, so I'm, I'm looking at a few of these other ones that I threw in here to remind myself of and just because they were the most interesting ones I came across. So like Castlevania II Simon's Quest Redaction fits into like a certain category of like the game is fine – 
it just has what we basically perceive as bugs. Yeah. So it's it's kind of along the same you lines didn't as finish like, this game. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of along the same lines as like an HD remake. They're basically saying like the gameplay itself is good. We're just gonna make it a little less the shitty. Gameplay to play. itself is okay. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. But then like some of these other games, like the Mega Man 2.5D, is side scrolling Mega Man, but with like the little big planet style 3d where it's like it's 3d but it's not 3d yeah it's like parallax scrolling basically yes exactly so it's like there it's a whole new thing but it's very obviously firmly rooted in this old thing because if if they just came out with another game that was exactly like Mega Man. Then everybody would be like, oh, it's just a rip off Mega Man. So instead they're just like, you know what? Capcom already did that with Mega Man 9 and 10. (laughs) Did they? Yeah. Did you ever play those? Apparently not. Oh, no, I played 9 the new when it was brand- 8-bit games. I played 9 when it was new and it was so I was so bad at it that I had <laughs> they to have rage- an easy mode. Yeah, they do that adds platforms yep. and covering spikes. I, I had to rage quit and I've just it's still sitting there in my downloads folder and I've just never gone back to it. But yeah, I was bad at it. Yeah, I should never go back and play Mega Man 1 cuz I'm sure I would embed my controller in the wall. Yeah. One other um, related to this is uh, uh, just in relation to companies being really cool about things fans do um, is people on NeoGAF created an alternate ending to The Last of Us, which I won't spoil anything about the actual ending in case there's like, anyone. That you can play? Or no, it's no, just no, like a video? no. It's like a video. Okay. But um, they basically mix the ending, which involves driving. <laughs> Okay. Mixed it with Fast and the Furious with clips of Vin Diesel, basically like as if The Last of Us was just leading to this the, the, the like, Fast and the Furious franchise, or like that the main that the character in Last of Us had a past doing like street <laughs> racing or something. That's from what I know about The Last of Us. I almost want to play the game just so it's, I can see the has the almost nothing leap. to do. It's yeah. like it was, you might as well be Yoshi that shows up on a cart, but. Um, What's cool is that the the creative director at Naughty Dog, Neil Druckmann, tweeted it out and was just like, "Fucking awesome!" Yes, <laughs> they Naughty Dog seems like a stand up company yeah. or stand up studio. I guess they're kind of like Are a they Valve their own thing, or they get bought. They're they're technically independent, but they only develop for PlayStation. Okay, but they but are they their aren't, own. They company. aren't contractually. They aren't okay. owned by Sony or anything. So there's two other little like segments of this that I'm I'm curious about. And this one, I don't want to get into like a crazy political discussion, but I feel like it's baiting a lot of those questions, which is this guy um and this is just one instance, but this guy uh took one of the old Zelda games, I think it's 2, and he or no, it was Wind Waker. He he had a ROM of Wind Waker and Wind Waker and he flipped all the pronouns. Wind Harbinger. Yes. <laughs> Wind Harbor Harbinger of, of Wind. That's, see, that's a game that benefited from the update when they added the fast sale. Oh, yeah. They're like, I just want this to be over sooner. <laughs> <laughs> but he, so he flipped all the pronouns so that Zelda is a boy that you're saving and the main character is a girl that you're playing and that, because he good, wanted his daughter. It's a good game to do it with because they're, they're pretty. Uh, 2D graphics. They're pretty kinda. unisex characters. Like, yeah. It's kind of vague. So Yeah, Zelda can, doesn't have like giant triple D plunging V-neck. <laughs> like it's – you could just be like, oh, it's a boy with long hair. Yeah. Because her model and, and Link's model are pretty much the same little mm-hmm. child with a big oval head. Yeah. But what do you think about that kind of thing? Like it's – is that 
Is that more a, power to you? Yes, doesn't bother you? <laughs> Not at all. And even though um, Wind Waker's, I mean, obviously, just to get to control your own character is obviously part of the the point of this, so that you can right. be a female character. But it, at least in Wind Waker, Zelda isn't as much of a damsel. She's oh, she, a, she's, she's like she's a pirate. Useful. She's like actually actively a, a pirate. Oh yeah, she has like. She's not chic in that one, right? No. But she but has another character it's model like that, out of the pink dress. I'm not just helplessly waiting in a, either Sleeping Beauty or some other form of Come Save Me. Okay, so that's better. I mean, that eventually does happen to her. Well, I felt like they, uh, they've tried to fight that a little bit in some of the, the newer Zelda games, and then they usually kind of... They haven't like, fought oh. very hard, though. <laughs> it's always little bits. It's like little paper cuts at the edges. <laughs> Hopefully, they're working up to, like, a Zelda game. Link's yeah. Adventure, where you play a Zelda. Yeah. You know? But it, hopefully, it's not like whatever Princess Peach's DS yeah. game, where it's like the girliest girly of girly <laughs> games, like Lego making pink Legos, or uh, or uh, Nerf having their... Everything pink. Yeah. Yeah, because it's girls... Like maybe girls just like to shoot things, yeah. too, and you don't have to make a pink one that's... But then, if it doesn't have flowers on it, how will they know which end to point? You hold the My Little Pony end towards you, and you put the flower power end towards your enemy, toward the bad dudes. And you send them love. Uh, I I really... I, I always found that kind of stuff obnoxious, and... I, there's no other way to say it. Like now that I have a daughter, I'm hyper aware of it. <laughs> and it's like my, I was, like you don't have to love pink. You can like blue. Yeah. Like we've, we've tried to be, but I also don't want to force weird gender neutrality Yeah, because that to me is as bad saying like, you can't like makeup and my little pony and Barbie is as bad as saying you have to like those things. <laughs> so it's like, it's a lot of pressure. I yeah. really, really don't like what society has like pinned is it into. The world isn't neutral on it, and so it's like right. you can try to like not improperly push in any direction or something. But then it's like, yeah, but the whole world's pushing it this way. Yeah, then there's all <laughs> of society going the other way. Yeah, and that. So then the one other thing in here that uh, oh, I should mention, someone did this with uh, the original Mario as well. Where all they did, because I mean it's a simpler game yeah. in terms of you narrative, like four frames. <laughs> yeah, so they they just swapped Mario's sprite with Peach's sprite, so you play as Peach, which is again like that's yeah. fine. Like changes nothing about the story. Person A rescues Person B, yeah. but it has like a greater narrative effect, which is part of why Doki Doki. I mean Mario too <laughs> is kind of a wonderful <laughs> little gem because you're not saving. A, princess are you no you're just trying to wake up from your nightmare that's the whole game is the objective to wake up or um, you have to finish the dream i guess it's that but you know you beat wart and it's not here's your bride that right. you saved it's oh she was with you along with toad and right. luigi and you all succeeded and now mario is sleeping soundly yeah yeah why did they do that because it would sell more if it was Mario. No, but I mean, like, they opened the door for Peach, like, playing an active role. Oh, yeah. And then they were like, nope, changed our minds. Even in uh, in Super Mario RPG, they have a perfect opportunity for Peach to be a useful, like, party member. And instead, they're like, you can get yeah. Bowser on your team. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's cool, but... Some of the later Paper Mario ones, you can... She's a little more active. 
Yeah, is it, it is shift scenes? Is it Thousand you, Year Door, the one on the Wii? Well, even the the original sixty four one Paper Mario sixty four. Did they call it? 64? No, I think it was just Paper Mario. They finally got past it at that point. Well, because it was the first one. Yeah, pa- Paper Mario sixty four would have implied that there was a Super Paper Mario <laughs> before that. <laughs> no, that came out on the Wii. <laughs> oh, <God>. Dem names. <laughs> And then what was there was one other one in oh so this this last one I have to mention just because every time I watch them it brings me great joy which is have you watched any of the Mario levels that play themselves no you told me about this yeah so these are debatably not games in the sense that like someone built it and it uses a game engine but then you don't actually play you're it. watching dominoes fall and it's fun but it's yes. not really a game yeah so these just absolute like genius level creators have. Mostly with Super Mario World, because um, it's just it's very hackable. But there, are, I've seen it with other games. But the Super Mario World ones are the best, where it's just a level that completely plays itself. Like Mario is propelled through space by like hitting things that bounce and hitting enemies that send him, you know, the certain amount of momentum in a certain direction at a certain time, yeah. and it plays music. It's like a good Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, with the only objective being like. It plays music. Gary's mod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like the, some of these levels, like one of them is 11 minutes long. I think I linked to uh, a joystick article that has a bunch of uh, different like really well-regarded ones on YouTube. But one of these videos is 11 minutes long. And if you look in the, the YouTube description, they say like, oh, from, you know, zero seconds to 90 seconds this is the song we're playing and then and it goes like play shows all the music they're playing like it's ridiculous like Mm -hmm. the theme to final fantasy and beethoven music and like pop music and it's just all over the place it's like i it's hard to call that a fan-made game but it's still like a hackable thing that fans did with a game well to me this is the real people interacting with brands that Twitter likes to say that people do. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, when you made a new Mega Man game, yeah, you interacted with that brand. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you love the product. You love everything they do. You want more of it. And you actually created something. Yeah, I I want... You didn't just use their hashtag. (laughs) Yes. I want more of this. Like, And I want companies to be as okay with it as they can be without, like, losing business. You know, but like when Mega Man Legends 3 was canceled, I was heartbroken because it seemed so like set in stone. Like they had, they did all these contests to get like participation and they raised yeah. money and like they were releasing very frequent updates of like concept art and how everything was going. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, all you hundreds of thousands of people who are basically guaranteed customers, we changed our minds. We don't want your money. Yeah. I was like, but I want you to want my money. <laughs> but even Black Mesa Source, um, which had no Valve backing whatsoever, but I mean, I wonder if they helped behind the scenes secretly or something, but um, <laughs> there was some development hell that was in. It took like a couple of years for them to, to yeah. convert something where they, you don't have to design new maps. You, you're just updating models and playtesting it, but... I don't mean to like minimize how much work they did, right. but, but it's like, a very specific kind of work. One of the core people on the project died Whoa. like a year into it, and it was just kind of like this may never happen. And then it finally came out, and it, it, not only did they finish it, but it was phenomenally like I'd say it's as good as what Valve does. 
Nice. And I mean, clearly they have Valve to model themselves after. Like right. it would be. And they different. didn't have to write the narrative or design the levels or yeah, invent all that. But they did as good. Like I don't. I, I could imagine Valve being like, we have no reason to do this ourselves now. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> Can you? Is it? Here's the real test for Valve specifically. Can you get Black Mesa Source on Steam? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that. For, I mean, for them, they, it's the they're the only in, way you can get it. I'm oh, pretty you sure you can't just download it straight from them. Uh, maybe, maybe. But, but to, to me, that's like anything Valve puts in Steam that's based on their IP that they had nothing to do with. That's a great big thumbs up. Like that is their way of it's saying it's in like, Steam Greenlight. There you go. Yeah. So I mean, that is them literally giving their legal stamp of approval. Like this is allowed to exist because we sell it in our store. Yeah. And it's it's good enough that if you never played the first Half Life, just skip it and play Black Mesa. Like you're not missing any of the goodness of Half Life, and it's just more. It's sort of like you playing through Ocarina of Time on 3DS. It's like you're getting the Ocarina of Time experience, and you don't have to deal with and 15 frames per second and eight menus to switch the iron boots on and off. I'm looking for this in. In Steam right now, is it Black Mesa one word? No, no. Black. It's Mesa. it's four words. Four words. <laughs> right. It's blah. <laughs> I'm gonna find it. I don't Mess, have it. and then uh, just a dangling. I don't have it in my search right now, but I'm I'm gonna get it. <laughs> I mean, because I never played through Half Life. You gotta finish Final Fantasy VIII, man. I do. And I know one of our listeners did not want us to do a book club on it, but <laughs> and we haven't. It's still we've been internally Give talking short about it. updates. Yeah, but I do think it's funny that uh, we the group has drifted so far apart. Like I haven't even left the first place. Justin's done. Justin's done. You're like halfway through. I'm on disc two still. Do you know where Matt is? He's a little ahead of me. Okay. But I think he, he's still on disc two as far as I know. Yeah. So, well, the, okay. So then this is why averages is a terrible way to explain something because at the very beginning and at the end, averages to in the middle, which is where the two <laughs> where are you no are. no one is. You need the mode or something or one of the other. <laughs> is it three discs or four? Four. So wouldn't second disc be in the middle? I wasn't disagreeing with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. So you'd need the, I guess, the median. I mean, I guess mode. we're. In or the, the, yeah, the median. Two of us are in the middle, but. The middle? Everything between disc one and disc four is the middle. All right, I think we need to stick a fork in this. I think we do need to stick a fork in this. Where can people find these show notes? And really, if you do nothing else with our show notes, please go watch these absolutely ridiculous self playing Mario levels because <laughs> they're amazing. There's a lot of cool videos in here and there's a lot of cool projects. I'm excited for Mother 4. Yeah. So all those are in there. Are you going to let me tell them where it is? No. <laughs> okay, now you can. Uh, for now, <laughs> head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 048 for today's first of the new year. We're coming up on a year. We're a month away. We are. And we haven't missed a single week. And I'm going <sighs> to keep saying that till I jinx it. Yeah. You're going to keep jinxing it till it's super jinxed. Yes. Um, where can people find you online? People can find me at Lines and Beta on Twitter, linesandbeta.com. Where can people find you and this interesting blog post you wrote that I also linked in the show uh, notes? <laughs> well, you can find me at pseudomichael.com or on Twitter. I'm Medwards Music and michaelevers.bandcamp.com if you want to check out some music. 
Um, and Twitter just made a comeback. Yeah, it's it's all over the map. Are you resolving to be more social in 2015? <laughs> no. Did you do? Do you do New Year's resolutions? To, I'm close to 18,000 tweets. Nice. Which over? I think I did the math that it works out to like seven or eight tweets a day. I believe it. Because you probably go through quiet periods and, and then retweets. conferences and yeah. So do do you did you do New Year's resolutions? No, you, you don't strike me as the type. Nah, I did one. I mean, there's things I'm doing this year that I didn't do last year, but it's not like I'm not making a public proclamation or writing them down. Right. Yeah. I did one. I, I like I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but like I did. I think predictions are more fun than resolutions. Yeah. Actually, one of our listeners has uh, every year he does like a tech predictions and uh, he, he, I think he just released his 2015 predictions, but he also looks back at his previous year. And he pointed back to his old ones, and he was like, I was wrong about everything. <laughs> like, I was so wrong. And I looked. I read his article, and I think those things will probably happen. He was just way too optimistic. Is this our friend with the Commuter podcast? It is. We should look yeah. to that. Post to then. the Carbo- – oh, yeah, to his, his 2014 predictions? Yeah. Yeah, but he just – way over optimistic like this will happen this year and i was looking and i was like i also wish that it was happened. it jetpacks and hoverboards and it might as well be in world peace yeah yeah and we're all gonna dress like biff oh that get your damn hands off <laughs> that's the this is the note i'm going out on and then I, I will actually be done if i see one more like reminder this is how we're supposed to start dressing this year because it was 2015 back to the future i'm going to lose my shit <laughs> Like that joke. I love Back to the Future, and people are beating that poor horse so hard with so many. It's been sticks. dead for so long. It's, but now that the years here, like they're all resurging. It's like, oh, we yeah. were we were promised hoverboards. We were promised this. Same we were promised thing, that. Like, I mean, to a much lesser extent. Like <laughs> in 1999, when Chrono Trigger, it's like, yeah. oh. Lavos is gonna <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean everything. The or Terminator stupid, 2's Judgment Day, all that. Blade it, Runner 2019, I think it takes place in. Yeah, it's soon. It's coming up. But I just that one might actually stand the chance of being the most realistic, even though it's not going to be <laughs> realistic. Still, the most realistic We're getting there is on artificial intelligence. And- True, but please, just internet, leave Back to the Future alone. <laughs> leave Britney alone. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Stick a fork in it. I really thought you were going to just cut the recording at Leave Britney Alone. (laughs) You still could. All right. See you next week. (laughs)